Hey there, my name is Chris Rivers. I want to thank you for joining us today. And if this is your first time with us, welcome to the Culture Bus Tools podcast. I'm so glad that you're here. In each episode, I explore leadership strategies to increase your capacity and effectiveness with people. During each show, I interview thought leaders, hear their leadership stories, and discuss ways to become better problem solvers and people developers. Visit culturebus.cc to access additional tools focused on each episode so you can create forward movement with your team. All right, well, let's dive into today's show. I have a special guest, Chad Merrill. Chad, welcome to the Culture Bus Tools podcast. Hey, Chris. It's good to hang out with you again, man. Yeah, it is. This is our second time on the podcast. In episode 13, we did an interview where we talked about a process that you use to help your staff cultivate clarity and then collaborate together to implement some new language within your congregation that really drives all of your ministry decisions. So that was episode 13. Now we're here in August, episode 27. And uh, man, how's it been? It's been good. It's been the craziest year of my life, I think. And that's that's saying something. I've been through some stuff, but man, I think uh, God's shown favor to us in this time. And we, we see that he redeems all things. All things are purposeful. And so yeah. We're just trying to trying to rest in that, man. But we're not without without our uh, headaches and and intentions through it all, is for sure. Yeah. Well, just to catch our listeners up, if they haven't heard that episode, Chad, you're in North Rock Hill, South Carolina. You're the lead pastor of North Rock Hill Church, and you've recently taken some of your leaders through something. And I wanted to just piggyback off of some of that because that's going to help us as we think about this archipist journey that we've been talking about. Tell us a little bit about that gathering that you did, why that was so important, what you've been doing to lead up to that and what you did at that night. Yeah. So when I came here two and a half years ago, Chris, North Rock Hill Church had a great vision. Our vision is to see the world changed by the gospel one life at a time. It's like every vision that's biblical for a church. It's a restatement of the Great Commission, you know, Jesus' command to his to his church. Yeah. And uh and so what but what I really noticed here is that we just didn't know who we are. We we, we didn't have um we had a personality, we had some foundation, but we just didn't really know how ministry works here. And so we very intentionally did not define the mission of the church. We wanted to really get some things in place, really understand our context and those kind of things. But we really thought well, the first point of clarity has to be really uncovering the values. That's what we talked about, I think, in, in episode 13 primarily was those values. That's right. On, on this end of it, we began to really look and, and, and study uh, who we are, what we're doing, what we're positioned to do, who we best reach, those kind of things. And what really came about from the history of our church to the way our values align, all those things pointed to we've got to become crystal clear on how we make disciples. At, at North Rock Hill Church, and first off, we had to define you: what even is a disciple? Yeah, uh, what is what does discipleship look like? And so, we've landed on a model of relational discipleship that we think fits exactly who we are and what God, and really is is God just redeeming the story of our church, the ups and the downs, to really bring us to a place where this is who you are, this is what you're supposed to do. How can we engage everybody in that? And so, this past weekend was really about helping. 60, 70 core volunteer leaders, like these are all people who lead other people within our church from volunteer teams to really understand what relational discipleship is and why it matters and why it fits here. And so it was kind of drinking from a fire hose for four hours, but there's just a lot of clarity and language 
uh, around it because uh, you know we've we, we've just decided that we need to build a culture of discipleship here and culture be- instead of strategy because that outlasts us and carries past us. What we saw was the leaders of our church lean in and begin to nod their heads. And, and, you know, they're leaning in, they're buying in. And now we've got to help them discover what that looks like for their personal lives at work, home, uh, church, and play. Uh, you know, how, how do they leverage relationships for discipleship? Amazing event. I'm sure I'm four hours drinking from a fire hose. I'm sure that can be intense. You know, in our last episode, we talked about with Robbie Richards, we talked about this ripple effect. And so you throw a big rock in the water and that first ripple would be those individuals in proximity to you that you can interact with where you're using, putting on the glasses of personal mission, personal ministry, and you're looking at people to see how you can help them grow, how you can get involved in their life. So you've done this whole gathering. You've talked about for four hours some of these ideas. So you've thrown the rock in the water Talk to us a little bit about what you've done to help them interact with that first ripple and some of the things that you're doing through Project 417. Yeah, so my first first goal was to give clarity for the kind of the umbrella that we all operate under, you know, the mission of the church to create a culture of discipleship, the mission to carry out the Great Commission. And under that umbrella, is, is there's tons of individuals that make up the church. And so not only individuals, but they're individual ministries. And so we kind of wanted to start with, you know, what you can already reach. If you just reach out, what's close to you? You know, you're already doing guest services. Here's how that fits. If if you're already going to the gym every day, here's how that fits. If you're just a dad with three sons like you are, Chris, I mean, that, you don't have to reach very far to see a need for discipleship in your home. That's right. And uh, we're just trying to get people to really begin to see their life differently. Hmm. Oh, you know, instead of, uh, instead of living in this cultural Christianity that's kind of taken over, uh, the phrase that we use a lot is, we find ourselves in good places around good people doing good things on, at good times of the week. But how did we get here? Did we decide to do that? Is, is, it, is it an intentional thing, or is it just the traditions of the South and the culture of the Bible Belt that's carried us through? Is it culture, or is it faith? And so... Uh, really, the, you give them that mission and then begin to reframe mission in context of their personal life and the relationships that they already have, the ones they can even, that they'll reach out and touch today, literally. And, and we just thought that's where we have to start. Like they have to have that aha moment where they already are living. And uh, and that, that's just been really key. So what, what we thought was the goal needs to be, we don't want to just give them all this content and then leave and be excited that the that the graphics looked awesome, right? We want to we want to give them some some next steps, and so we gave them a ten day devotional that we titled Project Four One Seven, based on the Colossians Four Seventeen verse that we'll talk about. And uh, it's just a, a walk through the book of Colossians, and uh, Paul starts in the book of Colossians talking about the gospel and Jesus, and then he ends the rest of it is because of the gospel, because of Jesus. Here's your life, and here's what I'm calling you to. And he, yeah. at the end, it goes through this list of names. It's just really a a picture of discipleship at the end of that book. And so the language we're using, Chris, is we want to see people, instead of doing what we usually do and, and living our lives expecting Jesus to respond to our life, we want to live our lives with our life in response to who Jesus is. Hmm. So I think that's the picture that, that Colossians is painting for us. Yeah. And so the Stevos meant to, meant to just kind of be a thought process that follows 
Paul's thought process that really gets us thinking, like, what about me? What's the, what's the ministry that only I can do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so in this devotion, you kick off this idea with a question. What if each of us came to view our lives as uniquely positioned for a personal ministry of discipleship? And that is really the key behind this, which I think helps us identify with Christ and grow in godliness. And then to look at what does it look like to make disciples in the context of unique relationships that we have. You broke this up into 10 days. So each day there was a theme, there was a focus. Walk us through day one and why that was so important to you for your congregation and for your people. Yeah, well, I saw A.W. Tozer quote the other day. It said, only a disciple can make disciples. Hmm. And at first glance, that seems super simple. Yeah. And you almost just want to say, duh, I thought you were smart, Tozer. You know, this is too simple. But it's really humbling that we have to posture ourselves for discipleship before we can ever lead others in discipleship. And so we're just really kind of looking at, at Colossians for that. You know, Paul's, Paul starts off, he's praising the Colossians, right? Like, he's like, man, we're thankful for you. We thank God every day for you. Hmm. He's relying on them. Every one of those names at the end are people that are in that body or have been sent from that body that are instrumental to his work. I mean, these are people that are all in. They're, they're living out church planning. They're living out discipleship as Paul has called them to. And yet he continues to, to call them to stay in the posture of putting Christ before all things. Mm-hmm. And so I just look at that and I think, man, we, first off, we've got to help our people really uh, step out of the cultural rhythms and out of the traditions that we that tend to have us in good places doing good things and really begin to see our life as strategically positioned. If God is sovereign and he really does order our steps, like scripture says, then each of us are walking a path that has us uniquely positioned to reach and make disciples of a unique circle of people. The problem is most people that you meet, Chris, they want to be about discipleship. They just don't feel like they're ready. Hmm. Yeah, they don't feel like they're ready at all. And so we're trying to paint this picture for them that anyone who is a disciple can make a disciple to the point that they themselves have matured. So really, you either have to be walking alongside someone or just one step ahead of them. You don't have to be fully arrived as right. a disciple of Jesus to make others. And so we just look at this this book. And, and so day one is about the next to last verse in the whole book of Colossians. It's, it's the Colossians 4.17 verse where he says, and it really catches me off guard. It's a whole paragraph of names and network of disciples doing disciple work, right? Yeah. And then... There's a new paragraph. This is one of those places where the grammar actually helps us get the get the meaning of the passage. So the paragraph breaks, and there's a new paragraph that is one sentence long. So a new thought about a new person, uh, about a new a new uh, subject matter, and he says, and and remind I'm paraphrasing, and remind Archippus to do the work that only he can do. Remind him to carry out what he's doing, and so that really grabbed my attention. And uh, I thought, why does this guy get his own paragraph, right? Like, why does he get his own thought? So you start digging, and you realize this dude is instrumental to Paul's ministry, even though he's only mentioned two times. And so he's he's a house church leader. We see that in Philemon, and he's he's Onesimus's owner, and Onesimus is littered throughout all his name's littered throughout Paul's letters as a messenger and, a, and an envoy 
And so this guy is also a Roman soldier. Yeah. And so it's really it's really easy to just infer that Paul has recognized that in the context of the internal workings of the church's discipleship organizationally, all these names like Tychicus and Epaphras and, and uh, Luke and Mark and all the other names he lists, they're kind of working in the context of the church. But this guy has been sent out from them to do something that only he can do. There's He has proximity to people or cultural access to people or cultural awareness of what they do, where they go, something yeah. that that has him in his own paragraph of one sentence that, hey, if you don't do this ministry, it's just not going to get done. Yeah. That really grabbed me. Like, I, I really want to go find another book of the Bible that talks about him or something a little bit more. But just the thought process really grabbed me. And I thought, what if, what if that's all of us? Yeah. You know, what if all of us have a personal ministry that only we can do? You outlined a little bit about this in day one. Talk to us a little bit about what ministry is to you, what you've helped your core leaders right now, those 60 to 70 people. What did you want to let them see when you described some of that? Yeah, I want them to see that Archippus in, in this passage is called to a different ministry uh, than, than anybody else has mentioned. Everyone else is mentioned as part of Paul's ministry or part of the ministry of the churches. For Archippus, he's mentioned in the context of a personal ministry, mm-hmm. literally a, a compassion and a unique love towards a, a unique community that he has access to. And so I think in Paul's eyes, this guy was was essential. Uh, but also, like Paul was recognizing the, the uniqueness uh, of Archippus. And so what, what we're really trying to use the, the language to bring this out, the language we're trying to use to bring this out, it sounds like this. You know, what if each of us are uniquely positioned in life to walk and encounter among and encounter a unique group of people, bringing our unique experience and story uh, to a unique ministry among those people. And so just this, just the uniqueness of my life, Chris, there's, there's things you're good at that I'm not good at. Yeah. And so if someone wants to know how to organize communication and how to just talk technical about, about how to set up these calls and how to create these tools and, and put them in, in Google drives and th- I'm calling you like nobody's <laughs> calling me. Nobody's calling for me for that. That's, that's something that, that you're one of the best I've seen at creating tools and curating information for people. Uh, whereas me, like I'm probably going to be able to walk into some rooms that you can't walk into because of my story. You know, there's some, some rooms because of brokenness in my past that looks different than brokenness in your past where I'm going to relate to people and you're not going to feel it at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, those kind of things. And so I think it's this process of seeing that the gospel redeems our circumstances. It redeems our brokenness. It redeems our placement, our even just our general mundane rhythms. Like it redeems the bleacher seat that you sit in when you're allowed to go to a Friday night football game because <laughs> that's where your ticket is, and you have the same people beside you every week. Yeah, um, there's just this uniqueness to it, but there's this intentionality to it that if God is sovereign, He has me here, not someone else. I think that's really important. Yeah. So. Like, what if we embrace that, Chris? Like, what if we just embrace that there's certain ministry that only you can do? That's right. And, and I called you for that kind of ministry and quit trying to do it myself. I think it would get done better, especially if you were teaching other people how to do it. That's right. Uh, and, and vice versa. I just I really think it's important in the context of the church. Yeah. 
Well, I think I think you really posed the question in this devotion of what would your unique personal ministry of discipleship be? If we had the ability to think through this, some ideas that I came up with, which was really my story, my strengths, and my space. That's what I kind of got out of that. So when I think about my story, you asked your leaders to really think about what is my story. And I think there are some great tools. We can add some of these of how to write a story. What is the gospel story and how do you fit into that story? That was that was something that came out immediately as I kind of went through this. And I've written my story and I've got some things down. Like I know when I gave my life to Christ, December 2nd, 1996, I surrendered my life to him. And so there are highs and lows in my life where I've seen God work. And so I've I've got a way of, of telling people my story. And then my strengths, that's really kind of w- what is my unique giftedness. And I think you could take tons, there's tons of things out there, strength finders. There's, I mean, we've built a tool. I did a whole episode on relational equity and building relational equity, and you could learn how you relate to people well. There's so many things, Myers-Briggs. I mean, there's so many tools out there. But then the other thing that I got about was my unique, the unique places that I regularly go and the people that I'm surrounded by. So that was, to me, that was my unique space, my space. Like you said earlier, I've got, I've got kids. I've got, I work here. I've got relationships with other people. I work out with guys. I mean, there's, there's that space that I'm in. So I think really getting clear for me, like working through day one really helped me see, as you said, my unique positioning within my unique circumstances that allows me to have access to unique circles of people and how I can live as a Christ follower to them. And so I think it's really well done. And um, I think that just even spending some time on this for a week even is worth it. So anything else you'd want to add about just that specific day? I think think the key is, is that the only thing that needs to change for us to, to begin to view ourselves as having a unique opportunity for personal ministry of discipleship is that we, we don't need to step into new places or meet new people. We just need to step into those places with a different mindset. Yes. And so I think one of the key one of the key questions on day one, Chris, is we ask people to wrestle with what are some of the reasons that or excuses that you've allowed yourself to disqualify yourself from having that personal ministry. And I think like in in, in our lives often we don't view ourselves as the sent ones. We don't view ourselves in light of how the disciples are talked about in scripture and those kind of things. And so but but one of the things that's happening here is, like for Archippus, the fact that he's a Roman soldier could have easily made him an outsider. Yeah. Yet he was welcomed in because the thing he had in common was that he had been redeemed and was in Christ. And so now he goes even to his outside context, outside of the church, as as one that's sent out from them. So he's supported, he's strengthened. The gospel has redeemed his circumstances as he walks into it. And so for me, like, I can tell you that the deepest regrets that I have in my life, uh, things things that have happened in my life, like divorce. I mean, it's 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 hard to be a divorced pastor at times if I if I don't frame that right. You know, having been uh, having had to walk through addiction with with my ex wife and with with other friends, uh, those were hard hard days, and I still bear scars from those. I still deal with the circumstances of those, and for many years, that was a reason that I viewed myself 
as disqualified to be a disciple maker. Yeah, I'm broken. I'm wounded. You don't know what I've been through, that kind of thing. But the moment I began to see that the gospel doesn't just redeem uh, redeem what I've done, it, it redeems the effects of what I've done in my life. I began to notice that the people that were in front of me were people that only I could relate to. And so now it happens, even as a pastor, it's crazy. People walk into my office or walk up to me on a Sunday morning or in town somewhere, and they'll say things to me like, hey, I know you probably won't be able to relate to this, but maybe you know somebody who can. And then they'll tell me my story that they're living. And I'm like, man, you don't have any idea how much I relate to where you are. Let me tell you my story. Wow. And so the, the thing that used to disqualify me now becomes the thing that the gospel regularly redeems to have me in conversations that no one else on my staff can have. Yes. Um, you know what I mean? You you wouldn't relate to them like I relate to them, that kind of thing. And so I, I think that's it. Like the, the stuff that you've lived through, Jesus died for that too. The stuff that other people did to you, Jesus died for that too. And when we disqualify ourselves, it's almost like we're looking at Jesus going, hey, I know you died for the sins of everyone, but this time it was me. Yeah. Right? It's, it's a, it feels like a bigger deal. Hmm. When in reality, he's going to put you in places where you're the relatable connection to him yeah. for someone else. And you're the story that someone can feel like is reachable because you've been where they are or you regularly walk where they are or you just... They just know you and have learned that you're nice, whatever it may be. Um, the way we step into those spaces is, is, is about knowing that God is working in our lives. And because he's working in our lives, he can work in others. Yeah. And because he's working in our lives, he's probably going to be able to work through our lives where we already go and where we already stay. Yes. So good, Chad. I feel like we're scratching the surface to something that is really going to help me and help others. I think I'm really grateful for you and your energy that you've put towards this. Grateful for Robbie and our last conversation and just kind of giving us some clarity too into this whole idea of the Archippus journey, Archippus project, where I think we're still trying to figure out what it is. I mean, you're calling it Project 417. Why did you like that? Why did you call it Project 417? We called it Project 417 primarily because it was specific to the devotion, and it yep. was specific to these 60, 70 people. We're not even sure we'll use it going forward. If it's something that we roll into what we're doing with yeah. you, we'll, we'll call it the Archbishop's Journey. Uh, but we really just didn't want to step on anything that you were doing uh, yep. that, or that would grow out of our conversations. And I'll be honest with you, man, I'm kind of mad at you and Robbie because you guys really messed me up, man. Like just introducing me to Archippus and and the deep dive that I've done with him has really been a convicting and uh, and, and just soul searching process. And so, what you're reading in this devotional is a lot of what God's doing in me personally and in our staff as as we process what does it look like for us as disciple makers, as lead disciple makers within the context of the church, yeah, to find Archippus. And That's to invest in an archipus and to, to equip them and empower them and ultimately you know, release them to do ministry and then go find that, that archipus type person wherever they go and whatever they're doing. And so yeah. um, just I'm thankful for you guys, but man, you kind of you, it was kind of inconvenient to have to do all that right now. <laughs> I feel like I've been wrestling with this since January of 2020. 
And I mean, it was just even a month ago that Robbie and I got back on the call to really tease some of this out. And then you and I had a conversation and it was like, man, what about this verse? And it was like, it's so neat how the Holy Spirit has just worked through all of us. And then I've even had conversations with with other guys that I speak with daily about my spiritual growth and how I want to lead as a godly man and and just how this has been great language for us to be able to wrestle with. So it's been good. What I'd like to do with you, Chad, is continue to have a discussion around each one of these principles that you've created, that it would be good for us to provide some resources for people to be able to take this further. So whether it's North Rock Hill or whether it's my children or whether it's you know my buddies or whoever we interact with, for those that listen on the podcast, that what would it look like for us to take this to the next level? So this is what I want to do. We're going to provide some tools in this episode. I'd like to continue to have this discussion with you. This is just part one of of day one, week one for you maybe. And I would say if you're listening to this episode, take a week to think about this. Use the tool that we're providing to flesh out your story, your strengths, your space, and really ask the Lord to lead you to people that you can serve. And then I think we'll continue to have conversations. We're going to publish some more episodes. You and I will work through the rest of these principles. And hopefully that'll help us create forward movement when it comes to being disciple makers and understanding our personal ministry. So I'm excited to be doing this with you. So thanks for doing that. Yeah, thank you, Chris. And, you know, let's make, we can make the devotional available to them anything that we can do to help. I, I would love to see a movement in, in all of our churches and all of our homes of, of us really just trying to dig in and, and, and really begin to live our lives in response to the gospel and to who Jesus is instead of the other way around. And uh, if, if we just reframe it, like what if Paul was writing to our church mm. and what if the sentence about Archippus was a sentence to Chad? Yeah what would my ministry be that I better carry out or it's not going to get done. I think I think there's an urgency and just a uh, a call in that in that uh, thought process that's really needed for us, especially living where we live, Chris, where we can be with good people at good times of the week and really kind of do it by culture, not really commitment, you know? Yeah, that's so good. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks again, Chad. Chris, thanks for what you're doing, man. If I can help you, I always want to. Yes, well, we'll see you on the next episode. Take care, man. Well, as we wrap up today's episode in part one of the Archibus series, I want to thank you for joining us. As I've been reflecting on the last two episodes and resources, I feel as if I'm developing a new competency around disciple-making. The goal of this series is to help Christ followers recognize the importance of replicating their faith in Jesus and developing a renewed passion for disciple-making. Be sure to check out the show notes for the resource that Chad mentioned today called Project 417. You can access that by visiting culturebus.cc forward slash podcast or email me at hello at culturebus.cc and I'll email you that resource. Join us next week as Chad and I will dive back into the book of Colossians chapter one and look at how we can grow in increasing awareness of God in our lives. All right. See you next time on the Culture Bus Tools podcast.